What's up, everybody? Hardest part of the Ring of Honor is here. Because <laughs> it's a... Because uh, it's, it's, it's a... It's a Ring of Honor. It's a Ring of Honor show. So I... Thought I'd throw that... Shut the fu My cat! I swear to God, only meows when I'm recording. I, it's always doing run-ins. Always doing run-ins on this fucking podcast. Whatever. Um... <laughs> Uh, I somehow get worse at starting these episodes, but nonetheless, today we got some Ring of Honor for you today. ROH Road to the Title 2002, a show that emanated from the esteemed Murphy Recreational Center <laughs> in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I think I had a few high school uh, indoor hockey games in this arena. Uh, but yes, it occurred on June 22nd, 2002. So it is a early 2000s indie wrestling event. So you kind of know what you're getting into. <laughs> um, uh, but I will say, I will say out front, um, if this is the uh, the first Ring of Honor episode on the apron bump that you have stumbled upon. I encourage you to uh, look back in the archives. I've done the f uh, reviews of the first three shows, uh, this being the fourth. Not a whole lot of like <laughs> storyline webs that you need to really follow or anything, but really entertaining watches in themselves. And uh, they really build up to this show, which as the title suggests, is a show where they're uh, kind of building up to the, uh, the first ROH champion um, and the premise of this show basically and we'll get into it um, in the podcast but just to uh, give you the cliff notes version it's basically a 16-man tournament and a single elimination tournament and once it gets to the final four the final four face in a four-way Ironman match a one-hour Ironman match which is very interesting because I had never really even heard of that concept, a four-way Ironman match, until NXT did it like a few weeks ago. And now we're seeing it in 2002. So it just goes to show that uh, you know some things we see nowadays are uh, learned, learned? learned from uh, prior experience and uh, prior benchmarking. So really interesting to see this concept uh, almost two decades ago. Um, so yeah, that's basically the premise of this show. Uh, for the it's like 98% of the show is matches leading up to uh, qualify for that final fatal four-way match, which on the next show will crown the first ever Ring of Honor champion. So we got, uh, once again, very clear stakes, um, but we finally got some real, real stakes here because the prior shows have kind of been more like introductory shows, kind of uh, showing you these... Uh, wrestlers that you may or may not know and kind of introducing them and their styles and their characters or lack thereof uh, to the audience who are watching the VHSs <laughs> that these come on. So um, uh, definitely got some uh, storyline implications starting to build in Ring of Honor, both for obviously the uh, the tournament and also we got some stuff with the tag team division building and we got some, uh, <laughs> they try to do stuff with the women's division, uh, but ultimately kind of, uh, not kind of, very much so fails. But as I said, we will get into that, and I have a uh, great guest to get into that with, um, a prior guest on here on the apron bump, 
JD from the Red Leaf Retrocast. Um, you might remember him from a few weeks ago when I had him on uh, the Slamboree episode that I did. And a very knowledgeable guy, very entertaining, uh, very entertaining podcast himself that he has. Um, you can find it at uh, redleafretrocast.blogspot.com. Um, and pretty much all podcast. Oh my God, this fucking cat. Shut the hell up. I'm trying to promote my guest and you're ruining it. Maybe I'll shut up now. Uh, <laughs> like I said, you can find JD at redleafretrocast.blogspot.com. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at bowlingjd. And uh, as always, I'll put his information in the description below or wherever the description is on whatever platform you're listening to. And um, yeah, we have a good old time delving into some old school Ring of Honor. Because uh, as you may or may not know, this is a period where they are not... Uh, <laughs> This is not the golden era of Ring of Honor by any means. There's definitely a lot of uh, missteps, but there's also a lot of uh, really good wrestling. And that's what I like about doing these uh, Ring of Honor shows is because there's always so much meat on the bone. Because not only is there a lot of great wrestling to talk about, but there is a lot of fun shenanigans to make fun of. So with that, let's get into it as I go uh, throw my cat out the window. Ring of Honor wrote to the title... 2002 with myself and JD from the Red Leaf Retrocast. But yeah, dude. So, uh, Ring of Honor, you uh, you you were able to catch a show the other day. Absolutely, a promotion I I don't seem to watch a lot of. Yeah, nowadays I don't think anybody <laughs> really watches a lot of uh, well, Ring of Honor. Well, even just ever, I've never been a Ring of Honor guy. Really. Yeah. That's surprising because you're kind of into the more like uh, indie kind of stuff, at least as far as I see. So that's kind of surprising. Yeah, it's always been that promotion that just I, I always seem to like check out a show here or there. And then I just don't really feel the I don't feel compelled to ever continue watching it over and over again. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't have that draw for me as a fan. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I have certain uh, promotions that are like that for me as well. But like. So I got into Ring of Honor, like started like watching it as it was happening in like 2006, 2007. And I watched for like a few years and it was probably like the most fun I've had watching wrestling. Like a lot of the guys you see in WWE now, you know, say what you want about WWE, but. Oh, with Ring of Honor from (laughs) the 2010s. It's literally like the whole (laughs) roster, which is absolutely bonkers. And I mean, that says a lot about the talent that 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 Ring of Honor had back then. They were able to like cultivate. And, like, I'm excited to, like, finally get into, like, 2003, 2004, like, an era that I never saw that had, like, CM Punk in his early days and Samoa Joe and Homicide and guys like that. And I feel like it, it is always good stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a super interesting time. You know, WCW, yeah. ECW had closed. Uh, WWE, uh, you know, got who they wanted, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of the legends, they didn't feel like paying for. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I listened to that invasion episode and I'm like, man, <laughs> like what could have been? Not, oh, obviously it's what could have been. And, uh, there's like, uh, if you read the sheets, <laughs> as, mm-hmm. uh, as people say, I uh, just, I was going back and I'm like reading some of the things and a lot of the, uh, articles and books that were written of the time. And, uh, how this plays into uh, just ring of honor is it's very uh, prevalent because 
you know, WWE, as they did have the money to, like, buy out, you know, Sting or or uh, Steiner or even Goldberg, and they just chose not to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even one or two of those guys would have made a big difference to the invasion. Uh, why this why this is relevant is because the guys that they did to did take. Um, well, uh, better put the guys they didn't take ended up, you know, starting Ring of Honor, TNA. Uh, yeah. Various other indie promotions of the era. And uh, the show was super interesting because TNA like started the weekend before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they mentioned that on commentary. They were actually talking about what they, they were calling it NWA TNA at the time. Right. Um, and I guess, AJ, I guess at this point, I guess AJ had already been wrestling for TNA, which was funny to me because I didn't I, I forget how long TNA has been around sometimes. Oh, they, but, uh, they will never die. <laughs> so somehow, somehow they just keep kicking. But yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted this out. I think you liked it. But uh, it was just so funny to see Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles. I mean, we'll get to it. Um, in the main event, but there's so much like TNA overlap in this show, which is really interesting to see. Yes. Well, I mean, by by all accounts, this is the very beginning of Ring of Honor, and it is 100 percent an indie promotion at this point in time. Oh, yeah, for sure. It would evolve into, you know, kind of that second tier below WWE. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't drawing the crazy amount of crowds saying ECW was. It was like just that little tier below it. And it, it, it seems to never be able to reach above that. Meanwhile, TNA, right. at least television wise, was able to reach above that. But for uh, for better or for worse, the pay-per-views would never uh, never eclipse a certain amount. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they could never grow in the same, you know, one reason or another. <laughs> Uh, why this is so interesting is the overlap is almost a hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty <laughs> it's much. Just every guy is out there. The pool is just um, not so much rejects, but just the people that are tr- a trying to break in, and the people that just couldn't that didn't get that WWE contract and WCW closed, such as your your uh, Paul Londons, your your Kendricks, mm-hmm. your well, American Dragon, aka Brian Danielson, of the yeah. time, uh, and then there's a bunch of guys just starting to break out uh, and come over from Europe, uh, which was super interesting on the show. I didn't uh, didn't expect going in, so this was right. super fun uh, seeing you know who's still in the industry today, what what mark they've made on the industry today, how important they are, where are they exactly in their role. So I can't wait to talk about all this. This is this was really and this was a fucking awesome show. It was great. It was a lot of great uh, wrestling. I will say, though, and maybe you'll agree or disagree with this, but um, I felt like it kind of like like towards the end, it started to like feel like it was dragging just because it was just wrestling after wrestling after wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. It was just nothing but wrestling, which is fine, I guess. But I think that says a lot about like the importance of how a show flows because you can't like deny the talent that's on this show. But I feel like that the way that the show flowed and it just, everything kind of started blending together after a while. And I felt like by the time I was at the main event, I was like pretty burnt out. And I feel like the crowd was too. The crowd absolutely was. And uh, I, I looked through the torch archives and uh, the wrestling observer archives and I was able to find the wrestling observer you know, brief coverage over this show. Uh, it was through tape trading, uh, as he mm-hmm. admitted. He's like, yeah, I caught the tape like a week later, and it was a really good show. This is Meltzer, of course. 
because yeah. uh, by all accounts, it was a good show, but it was clear that by the end of it, uh, everyone was pretty burnt out. Um, gave a f- few of these matches four stars plus, which is very good stuff, especially of the time and of the era. And we're going <laughs> to talk about the styles here, uh, mm-hmm. which for better or for worse, uh, translates to t- a lot of today's wrestling. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely agree with that. But um, as far as good wrestling goes, there's no better way to start than with Biohazard. (laughs) What are your thoughts on Biohazard? Boy, uh, (laughs) have you ever seen the movie Demolition Man? (laughs) I have not, but I can imagine. I can Uh, imagine. uh, Yeah, it's it's like, um, well, whether you want to put Demolition Man as, as the movie reference or just... If you want to take a kid from like 1999 and say, hey, what am I going to oh, look yeah. like? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I feel like at this point I was probably creating a creator wrestler that looks something like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Biohazard. He uh, he had a lot to be desired from the from the look uh, to describe his hair, which is probably his most interesting feature. Not mm-hmm. not just the name, which is very indie. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he had uh, he somehow pulled off beaded dreads without hair. <laughs> I don't know what kind of maintenance he has to go through to accomplish that. Uh, it's probably awesome. the most impressive thing I've seen on the show. But uh, I mean, this match. So the first match is Biohazard versus American Dragon, Brian Danielson. So they're not calling him Brian Danielson at this time, but um, still the same guy. Still looks pretty much the same. Honestly, he was jacked, super jacked. And people always call him a vanilla midget. And I guess he's kind of short, but like, well, comparatively ass, to the land of giants, sure. Yeah, but uh, he could handle Biohazard. That's for sure. <laughs> Beats him in like two minutes or something. I don't even know. Um, with the cattle mutilation, miss yes. seeing that move. Yeah, easily the uh, the weakest match on the show, I believe. So it starting first was uh, very very appropriate. I say. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a first round, so I should say at the top of the show, this whole show is basically a uh, single elimination tournament, which uh, results in the final four being entered into a uh, four-way Iron Man match Gee, to crown the that first. Sound familiar. <laughs> right? Like, literally, I had never heard of a four-way f- Iron Man match until NXT did it, like, a few weeks ago. And now, apparently, it happened in 2002. So, oh, I guess okay. they're not as cutting edge. It's <laughs> 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 so always got to be a cat running on this Dude. when it's me and you. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, there's no lawnmowers just going crazy outside. It's raining, so they won't be a part of this. And don't uh, jinx yourself. <laughs> don't jinx yourself. <laughs> Um, so yeah, first match, so American Dragon moves on to the semifinals, I guess. Um, yeah, moves on to the next round. And then, so the next match, we got a preview into a, one of the best tag teams WWE ever saw, Paul London versus Brian Kendrick. Whoa, whoa. Spanky, you mean. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I did not, I didn't mean to, uh, disrespect the spank man. You can't disrespect uh, Spanky and his his rise to the top on this night. <laughs> it's amazing that he even brought that name over to, to WWE for a little bit. My God. He was that confident in <laughs> Spanky. And this is when commentary, uh, <laughs> I really started paying attention to commentary in the 475 people that were in the Murphy Crea- Recreation Center in Philadelphia. <laughs> the esteemed Murphy. Yes, a.k.a. a high school basketball gym, (laughs) which they would proceed to fuck this place up over the course of the show. (laughs) Well, you said a few things there that I want to touch on. First of all, that that old 
not arena. I don't even know what you call it. I guess gym. It just looked hot. Like watching the show. It looked very uncomfortable. And, and apparently, like they mentioned, like towards the end of the show that it was like, I mean, they're probably exaggerating, but they said it was like a hundred degrees in there, but maybe they weren't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I can't even imagine. But what are your thoughts on the commentary in this show? So the commentary is the combination team of Donnie B. Uh, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not familiar with him, but I am familiar with one Steve Carino. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Steve Carino, he, he served his purpose on the show. He was, he was your color guy, the play by play guy, Donnie B. He was uh, very adamant over certain phrases, uh, such as this is not sports entertainment. <laughs> yep. This is yep. real wrestling. This is pure. This is actually the same spiel that Ring of Honor has uh, had since apparently day one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, man, to me, it almost like because they, they didn't want any dead air. Like to, they they felt like there always had to be some noise coming from the booth. Had and after a while, it felt like exhausting to me. It's like they were trying too hard to like put over like how amazing this show was. I I think it, I think it served its purpose to an extent. Uh, yeah. I thought they did a good job introducing us to the importance of all the wrestlers here, where they where they come from, how long they've been. There's like uh, Brian Danielson's a future in the industry. He's three years into his career. Biohazard has to prove himself uh, to this guy who's very technical. Then they go into Spanky and Paul London. As my cat's biting me, wanting to play. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, oh, Spanky, that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big mark for Spanky. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they were they were at this point, they were saying Paul London was the was the bigger star. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was going to break out. So them just saying things like that when Spanky wins this match really gets him over from the commentary's perspective. I'm like, oh, OK, so Paul London was the bigger guy, the better guy. You expect him to win. And then Spanky wins. And. The moves that they were putting together, yeah, it was it was albeit a bit rough. Uh, a lot of the times, they're trying a lot of innovative lucha style moves uh, that mm-hmm. in early two thousands you didn't see a lot of at all. Now, if you turn on like a CMLL show, you see like things three thousand times this. But, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, they were they were definitely trying to do new shit to pop the crowd. And funny enough, I counted four holy shit chants on the show, and <laughs> the first one came. When Paul London hits a super kick on Spanky after Man. they do a three four move lucha sequence, but it was the super kick that got the pop at, at the all of it uh, at the end of it. So I was I was very much feeling it because I felt it too. Right, yeah, for sure. And I mean, at that point, a super kick is a legit move. I mean, this is when Shawn Michaels is coming back to WWE, so every that, that move is over at this point. Whereas today, it's like a like a headlock takeover. Well, yeah, much. You, I mean, come on. Uh, drop down, leapfrog, headlock takeover, super kick, Canadian destroyer. We know the rules. Yeah, you know, the usual the usual uh, transitions in the beginning of the match. Exactly. Maybe a tombstone <laughs> pile driver in there to just pop up from. It's excellent. Yeah, just Love to it. warm up the crowd a little bit, you know? Yeah, but they've been doing that since the 80s, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yes, as you said, Spanky wins this match. Um, he's definitely been a very prominent figure on all of these shows so far. This is the fourth show that ring of honor has done. And he beat Daniel Bryan or uh, whatever, Brian Danielson, uh, the last show and he's beat Jay Briscoe. So he's like one of the most built, like as far as wins go built guys on the roster at this he's point on the rise. And, uh, Brian Kendrick is still wrestling for WWE today. I believe. 
He sure is. He sure is. Crazy. Uh, so what we got after that? Jay Briscoe versus Doug Williams. Man, oh man. 19 years old Jay Briscoe, if I have that number right. Something like that. Both these guys are looking young and fresh. Mark man. hasn't even debuted yet, apparently, according to commentary. Do you know he's, why he hasn't he's, debuted? He's 17, that's why. And he has to wait until yes. he turns 18. That's uh, That just blew my mind. I was like, Hilarious. wow, they've been in Ring of Honor so long. Because <laughs> they're still there, aren't they? Yeah. They, they, they've they're never like left. They're like 50-time tag champions. <laughs> yeah, they literally haven't, they haven't even like flipped the TNA for a little bit. Like Some guys go to TNA and then come back or go to WWE and come back. Nope. These guys have been there the whole time. Insane. So that's like, what, 18 years? Man. Um, but we gotta get a look into uh, very, very early Briscoe as well as uh, a young Doug Williams here. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty solid young. match. Fairly young. Yeah. I mean, you know, in comparison to, I think he's still wrestling nowadays, isn't he? Um, he's, Maybe. well, he retired, but sort of kind of not. Uh, he had a big, like, Euro retirement tour. Um, okay. Yeah, and that was just uh, in, like, November last year. I, if I remember right because I know he was with TNA for a long ass time at long least since like time, the mid 2000s yeah. um, he was in Noah in Japan for a little while as well uh, yeah. Doug Williams has been around uh, and he I will say this the combination of American Dragon Brian Danielson and Doug Williams on the show was very welcome and there's a third guy on on the this show that is a is a good welcome I'll get to him later I'll save that little oh what a tease what a tease um, so Jay Briscoe versus Doug Williams. Another, it was a pretty short match, uh, but I think they maximized the, the amount of time they were given. And Doug Williams wins with the Chaos Theory, which is like one of my favorite moves. Um, Rolling and then German out of the corner. I love that move. Beautiful. Uh, Chad Gable does it very well nowadays too. Yeah, but he never wins anything, so the move means nothing. I mean, sorry, Shorty G. Shorty G. Oh, he doesn't go by that anymore. He quit. Oh no, I guess I'm not a fan of him anymore. <laughs> now he's not marketable. <laughs> I hope he ke- at least keeps the Looney Tunes basketball gear. Oh no, we can only hope. Oh, no. we can only hope. They should have kept it. Space the 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 next uh, Space Jam's coming out that I'm not going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. Uh, but yeah, very interesting. At the end of this match, they're kind of teasing tension between the Briscoes. And oh I yeah, that'll they... that'll work out in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> what a long term story that was. <laughs> I, b- I believe they end up having a match at some point against each other. I've never seen it, but I've, I've heard rumblings. They've 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 had a couple. <laughs> have they? Yeah, I, I have a very loose knowledge of like the early two thousands ROH. <laughs> if you can't tell, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, Doug Williams moves on, and then this next match, man, Johnny Storm versus Jody Fleisch. Is that how you pronounce it? Fleisch, 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 Fleisch. Yes. Um, two guys I had never heard of before. Oh, honestly. I, um, I had heard of one of them. Which one is that? Uh, Jody Fleisch. He is a prominent uh, veteran of the UK indie <coughs> scene and Europe in general. Mm-hmm. Um, both these guys still wrestle today. Uh, Jody Fleisch recently showing up on uh, Progress Wrestling before you know, Europe oh, really? shut down. Yeah. Dude's still That's... in phenomenal shape. Uh, yeah, and uh, the story behind... Uh, Fleisch and Storm is basically they came up together. They're of course they're really young here, <laughs> no shock. Yeah. Uh, everyone on the show is really young, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, yeah, they they just uh, they would come over to the U.S. and do tours 
together and they would just wrestle each other over and over and over again. And even commentary mm-hmm. pointed out that they have at this point in their lives and they're in their early twenties, they had already, <laughs> they had already wrestled each other 107 times. So then I'm yeah. like, all right, I got to see, are they, are, are, is Johnny storm still wrestling? And, uh, up until February, uh, they even had a match together. So they've been wrestling against oh each other. God. Every year since they've debuted. <laughs> At what point is it just like, oh, I don't want to wrestle this guy anymore. It's boring. Well, I think they do it just because they they, they know it's like a night off. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, exactly. what are we doing? The same? All right, got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah, I, I hope, though, they fine-tuned a few things since this match here in 2002. Because it was one of those things where it's like, so Johnny Storm, uh, Jody Fleisch, both you know, high-flying, high, uh, fast-paced kind of guys. And it's one of those things where they did like, a hundred things and like 95 of them were good, but like the five things that they didn't do well really stuck out. Um, there's a lot of very spotty, like very complex spots that they did. And there was, it was this match felt kind of botchy and kind of stuttery to me. I don't know what it was, but um, like you said, both of these guys are very young at this point and I'm sure they've only gotten better. They uh, really Fleisch wanted like to do 14 at this point. Yeah. They really wanted to do uh high end Lucha Libre moves. Uh, it's almost like they were they were tape trading CMLL over in the UK, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We're gonna do that. <laughs> right. We're gonna do we're gonna do reverse hurricane ranas, hurricane ranas off the top, Spanish flies. We're just gonna do it all, and then we're gonna add we're gonna add a twist, and hopefully exactly. it works out. Add <laughs> <laughs> a, a spin, add a, a few degrees rotation to everything. And I believe it was uh, uh, Jody Fleisch goes for a uh, cone helo over the top, and he just crashes. Ooh. calf first into the into the barricade that 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 barricade and actually yeah. bends it <laughs> like half. like shin first and it oh it <laughs> just, looks like so you said, painful. destroyed it uh i was surprised he was able to <laughs> keep on wrestling after that honestly oh he didn't just keep on wrestling he get he throws storm back in the ring and he proceeds to do a front flip front front flip and land on his feet to prove his shin is okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> like when you're young you're just made of rubber yeah. Oh, I, I, I ran! I just crashed leg first in this metal. I will show all you motherfuckers how tough I am. Front flip, <laughs> land on the feet, plant. Hey, where's my scorecard? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny because I think, I don't know if it was the show before this or the one before that, but there was a Paul London match where he was facing some guy. I, I even forget his name, but that guy did uh, a pretty identical move. And just like Jody Fleisch here, he landed on the barricade, but he ended up breaking his fucking leg. <laughs> <laughs> and the match had to get it was like right at the beginning of the match and the match had to get called off so it was like i'm just thinking of this now this is pretty much like an identical spot so jody someone was looking out for jody here so after all this hollow balloon shenanigans in this match jody ends up winning with a uh he counters a springboard her and from johnny storm into a power bomb and gets the win here uh, so he moves on, but uh, yeah, like I said, a very you know a lot of impressive stuff in this match, but I felt like they could have toned it down a little bit. No, you can't tone it down. They're young and and uh, excited, and they're trying to prove themselves. They this is this is their really only chance to go out there and try to knock the house down. And uh, I I really think that let's say that they were gonna go and do like uh, oh I don't know <laughs> Steve Austin versus Johnny B Bad style, right? <laughs> Uh-huh. In 2002, you like this comparison. I know you do. I love it. I, love it. I wish they would have. <laughs> no, because we hated that match and thought it was boring and it had a shit <laughs> yeah, finish. No. You know what? Nothing on this show had a shit finish. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, uh, no managerial interference on this show. <laughs> Much to your chagrin, I'm sure. Oh, there was a couple managers. But yeah. <laughs> there but were. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. Don't worry. No, uh, yeah, but um, like, I think there's a there, there's somewhere in between this and Johnny B. Bad versus Steve Austin. But what is that? Is the question. And there's a few matches that you can point to on the show where. Once you have the experience or you're in there with a veteran to help you refine and know what to do, uh, it becomes a great match. It becomes more than just a super Lucha Libre athletic uh, appearance to it all. Because I was vastly entertained. I was like, oh, man, if only they hit that would have been even better. You know, Mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, you know, take an Osprey Ricochet match where they hit hit and plant everything perfectly and you think it's. The best thing you've ever seen in your life, if you're if you're into that, uh, that's mm-hmm. what this could have been if they just hit everything. It's uh, I, I you know you always compare it to like a gymnastics performance, right? And you want to mm-hmm. you want to throw up the so- scorecard. So I, I do I do get what you're saying. Where if you botch a, botch a couple things in a in a gymnastics performance, you're getting points knocked off that scorecard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I guess you know at the end of the day, it was entertaining. It might have been entertaining from like a car crash kind of aspect or like a like a gymnastics kind of viewpoint, but uh, it entertained me. So I guess at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Right. Um, <laughs> we were not entertained so, by Johnny B. Bad and Steve Austin. Exactly. Much but you bigger know what stars, I, you could argue. <laughs> <laughs> so there's something to say about that. <laughs> but what I was entertained by is this next uh, little segment here. Uh, we have Christopher Street Connection backstage. Oh, no. And they want a bite out of Jerry Lynn's banana. Yes. Yes, they do. Because uh, they're gay. They sure are. Whoa, cat. <laughs> this cat's, cat. Cat's throwing sabotaging. shit at me. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of Christopher Street Connection, I guess. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> he just whips a toy at me and hits the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well... After that, how do you recover from that? You go on to uh, <laughs> that's good timing, good comedic timing by a by a feline. <laughs> Did you know he's gay? Wham! <laughs> Absolutely. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it because they don't like pussy? Oh. <laughs> oh ah. Anyways, easy. Um, easy. easy now. <laughs> so, uh, but two guys that are not pussies are Prince Nana and Low Key. Well, Oof. I mean, at least one of them isn't. <laughs> Who do you, who's the pussy? Oh, Prince Nana. Uh, oh, fuck you. see you see that stupid bitch slap he did? That was weak. Uh, well, yeah, I guess. Um. <laughs> Sla- Can we talk about how, like, late 90s the show looked? Like, just visually or, like, what they were doing? Visually, the, uh, the, the, can- uh, the, the, the shoddy camera work of the dude ringside. Uh, yeah. the, <laughs> the super u- uber, uh, in between things. It's like ring of honor, uh, you know, sh- uh, sh- camera t- tilted slightly to the left. Here's, the, here's your word art <laughs> from Microsoft paint across <laughs> the slap heard across the world. It shows a slow motion of this weak ass slap across low key. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, you didn't like their, uh, their PowerPoint presentation, like montages before every match. Yeah, that's what it was. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> it reminded me of, uh, of, uh, like an old Tony Hawk pro skater type, type yeah. font and, and, uh, and highlight reel that they would do. 
Dude, it was like because like the the past shows have had less wrestling, so you see more of those like terrible promos backstage and like all the in between stuff. But man, this is like it's hilarious to see back then how far <laughs> they've come. There were there weren't that many promos on this show, unfortunately. But it's always like like the, some guy with a cam corner camcorder finds a guy backstage. Okay, like, hey, cut a promo real quick, and this guy's like in the locker room. He's like, oh, and Jerry Lynn, really bad Jerry promo. Lynn with a Walkman. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that? I don't even know what the point of that was. Uh, he was plugging, I guess, some band or something. He was plugging Relapse. Right. Uh, he- that you could, you can act. I looked this up. I, I was, I had to. Relapse.com still exists. And he was plugging uh, the band. Um, uh, 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 oh, it was like front uh, Mortician. Because they asked right. him, like, oh, are you listening to Mortician? He's like, no, man, I, I, I got this new CD off of uh, Relapse.com. You got to gotta go there. I'm like, I'm going there. And it still exists. And it's still selling Mortician and all kinds of <laughs> bands wow. and CDs and stuff. Is yeah. it like a, like, a, like a Napster kind of deal? Uh, no, it's just like this, uh, this. I'm looking at it right now. I'll send it to you. I'm not gonna fucking use relapse.com. Nah, come on. You gotta look at the site. It's it's uh it's what Jerry Lynn was plugging. <laughs> well, if there's anybody I'm gonna blindly follow into the dark, it's Jerry Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna doubt Jerry Lynn's Walkman Walkman taste of music? You know what? I think I'm gonna be bold and say yes. I'm gonna oh. doubt it. <laughs> so Loki kicked the shit out of Prince Nana, knocked his ass out in four minutes. Do you think this was like a shoot or do you think that that was how it was designed to happen? No, it was ex- it was absolutely designed to happen this way because it looked it legitimately looked like a brutal kick to the head, and like Loki looked kind of upset at it. But no, that's just who Loki is. He's super uber serious. Uh, in MLW today, he was kind of um, before they shut down. He was uh, he was in the middle of this uh, knockout gimmick, so mm-hmm. very much the same. I saw that. I saw this on this show and I was like, oh, okay. So he was, he's been kind of doing this for 20 years, basically. I guess. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Jacked as shredded Loki, by the way. He still is, I feel like, isn't he? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, much better shape here, here though, I feel. Uh, yeah, much yeah. Sh- more shredded, I should say. And um, very much still kind of the same character. He, <laughs> he's still the same Loki. Uh, yeah. And I would argue the biggest star on the show. For sure. For sure. It's so funny watching him here and like what his style and what his presentation was. And then I think of <laughs> Caval in oh, WWE. <laughs> well, he's coming to the ring with Michelle McCool and Layla and they're like bickering over him and the whole early NXT stuff, like game show stuff. Oh. It's so hilarious to think of him here and think of where he would be like in the late 2000s. Oh, poor. Like he was I thought he was pretty good in TNA. Um, exhibition yeah. champion. Uh, he was good in New Japan before um, they kicked him out of the country for being too serious uh, with mm. his Hitman gimmick. <laughs> I didn't like yep. him doing that. Uh, but yeah, he's been all over. I really liked his MLW title run that he had recently. Uh, he's he's uh, he's a breed from a different era, you might say, or the previous yeah. generation. You know, people call him an asshole, but I I just have this weird respect for the guy that. He just he, people say he takes it too seriously. You go, well, Bret Hart took it seriously and it seemed to work out for him. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. You take your job no. seriously. And I think a lot of that translates to the skill that he has in the ring. Because he had, he had a, a style that nobody else was able to replicate then or since. 
right. There's a match later that. Uh, oh, we're going to get to that. That's, oh, that's, that's probably my favorite match on the card. Honestly, absolutely. It was. Um, and one of those guys is in the next match. Amazing red versus Xavier. Yeah. Ooh. What a interesting matchup this was. Yeah. Yeah. Xavier. I mean, it's a wonder that he never like went on to have any like significant success because he, he it felt like he looked like a, like a star here. Well, I mean, he was the second ever ring of honor champion. He was, he was, and I guess he never really, uh, got above that. I don't know. Cause <laughs> I was talking about those t- terrible promos earlier and Xavier is one of those guys. So maybe he just never really figured out, you know, how to translate his character like through promos or wh- whatever it is, but whatever it was, uh, I thought he was pretty competent in the ring. Um, yeah, they, they thought they saw a big star in him. I, I can't really blame them. Uh, and, uh, we would quickly, obviously in hindsight, we quickly found out why he wasn't, uh, as big as you probably thought he would be when you have other guys on this card, such as AJ styles, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Daniels, even Doug Williams, amazing red and, and come, you know, I, I just think that he was in this crop that, uh, they just passed him up. Simple as that. Yeah. There's a lot of complete packages in ring of honor. And you, like you get Samoa Joe coming in, you get uh CM punk coming in, right? Chris hero, all those guys. So there's a lot of talent that you have to sift through. Yeah. And, uh, MLW was also starting up around this time having, uh, you know, similar guys come out of there. That's where, uh, CM punk, uh, came from. And, Everyone found homes in their own little ways. Yep. Yep. But uh, this match here, Amazing Red versus Xavier, another uh, kind of a short match. Um, honestly, kind of a forgettable, forgettable match. I mean, there's just so many matches on this card. I'm, I'm like struggling to even remember anything significant from this match other than um, Amazing Red goes for his red alert, which is like a kind of a Phoenix splash spiral tap kind of move. And he like lands right on Xavier's fucking legs, which I don't know how he didn't break a patella or, or what, <laughs> like, holy shit. And, um, but other than that, a uh, pretty good match. Uh, amazing red gets the win after that red alert splash, then a standing shooting star. And this is actually Xavier's first loss in ring of honor. So yeah, that's what, that's, and that's what got, um, amazing red over. So let's see. Here. Yeah. Amazing red was 20 in this match. Yeah. Yeah, I believe they mentioned that at some point. Yeah, during and the show. Uh, he was, um, I believe, he was only a couple years, like he had debuted, but I believe he was, he broke out of wanting to do it full time, like th- in this calendar year that we're, we're talking about. I could be mistaken there, but this was his breakout. Mm-hmm. Into, yeah, I think uh, the he, he was going market. to TNA eventually right amazing red oh yeah yeah he would he would break out in tna x division like a lot of these guys on the show actually <laughs> yeah yeah some some of them like currently at this point they were they were just starting to yeah so yeah amazing red moves on and then uh the segment backstage um was just so bizarre to me like <laughs> watching it because it's literally it's scoot andrews the black nature boy yeah he's uh <laughs> big scoot scoot andrews guy He's, uh, he's taking photos, I guess, posing for the camera. And then uh, some random dude comes up with uh, some Japanese woman. Uh, Sumi Siaki? Is that how you pronounce her name? Sumi Sakai from JD Star That's at the is. time of, uh, yeah. When, <laughs> yeah, it's um, dark days of, of Joshi wrestling over in Japan. I believe, I don't want, hmm. I don't think it was Gabe Sapolsky that was there. Hmm. 
It could have been. I, well, I think I it was a while before he got, he got there, though. No, they were mentioning Gabe Sapolsky as part of Ring of, Ring of Honor at were this they? time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, you, if you listen to, if you li- like, I was trying to pay a good amount of attention to the commentary, like what they'd reference, you know, yeah. what, the, what they do. Uh, always mention, they mentioned WCW Nitro at one point. They mentioned it in this match with Christopher Daniels, I believe. Against yes. one Scoot Andrews, <laughs> saying he he almost ended his career on Nitro, and I was like, man, I I do remember that this dude almost broke his neck and shoulder. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. It's crazy that Daniels would go on to have such a long career. I mean, he's still kind of going uh, in AEW, you know, after that neck injury, which is uh, a testament. I mean, because that doesn't always happen. So, you know, Steve Austin, a neck injury, definitely halted his career. So. Oh, yeah. So, Scoot um, Andrews, uh, uh, indie guy for basically his whole life. Christopher Daniels basically runs production uh, and um, match lineups. Or, uh, he has he has a lot of different roles. Uh, talent relations. That's what he does. He helps with talent relations mm-hmm. in AEW. Uh, his, his career is winding down. I can totally understand why he wrestles more sparingly these days. Mm-hmm. Dude's yeah. 50. He's, you know, uh, I have a feeling they're going to use him a little bit more. You know, uh, they're going to have him go out in a good way. I mean, shit, SEU's still still going, so that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, he was the fallen angel preacher gimmick hardcore here. Very much. very So much so that he decided before this match he was going to start his own faction called The Prophecy. Yes. You no. got to take out Loki. It's all about Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Loki beat him. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, the prophecy is uh, just Daniels. And then he introduces the first member. Simply luscious. Oh, who oh, no. comes out and couldn't look more apathetic. <laughs> so uninterested. Um, I, I don't. What, what can you tell me about simply luscious? Well, uh, Simply Luscious was simply uh, not fun to watch. She was terrible. <laughs> uh, she was not a good wrestler. She looked like she had never wrestled in her life beforehand. And Sumi Sakai, like, bless her. She was clearly way better. And this really, like, gave me flashbacks of that terrible AEW match where Sheeta and Big Swole had a match. Mm-hmm. And not, like, Big Swole is easily better than Simply Luscious, but, the like, the miscommunication and just yeah. not really knowing your next movement, like, that was Big Swole against Sheeta, because Sumi Sakai here was like, all right, we're going to duck down and clothesline, but then you're going to reverse, right? You kind of clearly see the, the body movement of it all. But then Simply Luscious, like, hesitates, and it causes Sumi Sakai to go, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a rough one, because, <laughs> you know, 2002... Women's wrestling is pretty much non-existent. Uh, in the West, yes. In the West, yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, because you're, you're big into to the Joshi stuff. Um, I mean, is there anything... Is Sumi Sakai still around, or did she ever end up becoming anything uh, major anywhere? Um, I mean, she would stick around with Ring of Honor. She uh, She's uh, actually a big uh, liaison to uh, a lot of wrestlers that come to the West, especially women's wrestlers. She lives in New York, I believe. Okay. Um, Good to see. Yeah, she was she was part of JD Star promotion over in Japan. Uh, she speaks English now. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah, not so maybe not so much back then uh, in 2002. That part I don't know. Right. But, uh, she would. Um, yeah, she would. Uh, in fact, um, be the first champion uh, for Women of Honor when they revamped that just botch of a. Revamp. Oh really? Oh yeah. 
Huh. And that was kind of recently, wasn't it? Yes, that was recently. So anyone who says AEW is the worst women's division, I'm like, ah. <laughs> you have forgotten a couple other promotions that uh, still technically have one. Uh, so just a few. Just a few. And it kind of puts more perspective on just how like women's wrestling is such an interesting topic. And this match did bring it up because uh, I, wa- I watched this with a couple people in my discord. And uh-huh. we just got on this big conversation of like the dark times in women's wrestling just after 2000 with all Japan women like basically folding. Uh, even though Gaia was profitable at Chigusa Nagayo's uh, promotion, she was about to shut it down in a few years. Uh, JD Starr wasn't doing too well. So uh, there just wasn't a lot of just wrestling in general, not to mention on the men's side as well. WCW closing. Mm-hmm. Um, all Japan pro wrestling having this huge split of like 90% of their dudes to to make Noah. New Japan was in the shitter. <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely it's interesting time. That's kind of like why I like going back and watching these old ROH and old TNA shows is because it's in a uh, it's in a world where WWE is kind of has the monopoly on wrestling as far as, you know, global from a global aspect. Right. And, and there was even it, a, a visible like culture gap at this time cuz Sumi Sakai is doing doing a lot of the just trying to hype the crowd up the clapping he's like hey i'm going to fucking do a splash i'm going to the top rope you know clap 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 and the crowd's like what are you doing <laughs> there's another cuz we talked about the overlap earlier and you were on uh for the uh slamboree episode when uh Johnny B Bad came out with the uh what was it, i love philly yeah, and they cape. fucking boo his ass <laughs> and then we got here Sumi Sakai comes out with a philly's hat to the applause of nobody. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, come on. She's trying, guys. <laughs> She's trying. She's trying. It's fine. But it's just funny how Philly pandering just exists on in all promotions in all eras. Yeah, maybe they, maybe Philly pand. Maybe you should just go against them from the beginning. Just wear like a <laughs> Pittsburgh hat. Just just don't don't it's try like, to good. butter up the Philly crowd. It's not happening. <laughs> not gonna <laughs> not easily swayed Philly. Just go against them and and you'll get a better reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, why, is, so, why are these wrestlers always he- only heels in Philly? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> everyone in Philly is a heel at heart. Every- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This poor match, it, it absolutely sucked. Poor Sumi Sakai. She tried her best, but Simply Luscious was simply not great. <laughs> right. I guess if anything, it broke up all of the uh, good wrestling matches, and uh, so now we get back to that with AJ Styles. Versus Jerry Lynn. Oh, phenomenal, one one might say. Uh, A match I didn't know that I needed in my life. This is very, uh, in some ways, similar to the RVD Jerry Lynn matches. It was in no way on that level, especially at this point. But um, certain similarities that I saw, at least. And this is fresh off of uh, Jerry Lynn's legendary light heavyweight championship run in WWF. Yeah. So uh, legendary. He's got that going for him. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, really, really great match here. AJ Styles ends up winning with the Styles Clash. Uh, And this felt more like it didn't feel indie to me. It felt like this is a match I could see on like WCW, WWE. Um, Well, I mean, come on. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We would never see this match on WCW. (laughs) You would, but nobody would watch it. No, I mean, there would be managerial interference. You would see uh, weapon shots. You would see a random, maybe maybe a count out in a false count anywhere match. You might see that. 
Uh, you know, maybe put something on a poll. It wouldn't be 15 minutes and 30 seconds. It would be like five minutes and 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would be the antithesis of a wrestling match. One might say, because this one was super fun. I loved Mm -hmm. how you said it didn't feel indie. Uh, testament to probably Jerry Lynn on that one. Uh, controversial mm-hmm. statement, I'm probably sure. <laughs> yeah. But AJ Styles, like, you could see the potential this guy had, even in 2002, where he's just rising to this occasion to put on a 15 yeah. minute match with a veteran at this point in Jerry Lynn. And funny enough, AJ Styles still wrestling today, 40 plus years old. Doesn't look like he's slowed down a bit. He slowed down, you know, from the spiral taps he'd be he'd be doing yeah. uh, and, and cable jumping. <laughs> but uh, just phenomenal. He's, he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. AJ Styles. It's a shame he's where he's at now uh, in promotion wise. Uh, uh, he's, he's doing just fine in WWE. I disagree. Uh, but anyway, okay. I, I, disagree, I disagree. But anyways, he could be doing way more. Okay. I mean, like he's he, he he's here in ROH. He would then go to TNA and have a great run there with great matches with, with Joe Daniels, yes. Kurt Angle, bunch of great matches. He would go to Japan, have a, matches with Okada, um, Kota Ibushi, Shinsuke Nakamura, a bunch of guys in Japan. Oh. Ring of he comes phenomenal. back to Ring of Honor, has phenomenal career, with, no doubt. He's he's phenomenal. done it all. He's he gets the WWE when he's like what thirty seven. That see, it seems like a pretty good arc to me. I mean, he's winding down, so I don't really blame him for taking the exactly. money. He's I winding mean, down. Like, like he's, he, he has slowed down, but he's he's not really slowed down. He's just evolved his style to fit, correct. and it fits more of a WWE style. So in that sense, I feel like his presence in WWE is not a bad thing. Well, that's the part that irks me. It's not so much like I don't doubt his skill. I don't doubt his accomplishments, right? Just to make that clear. It's the presence that they utilize him. They 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 don't they treat him more as a utility guy more than a superstar, right? Because when he, I'll, I'll give you an example, cat, um, you're killing me. I'm talking about AJ Styles here. <laughs> I know you said he's a cat one time. God, we watched it. Yeah. Anyways, um, so like he shows up in Japan and they make him phenomenal, to use his word, right? He's been phenomenal. He is a international superstar he's top of the card they give him a a a faction basically Uh, they do all these things everything's around him he is prime target one right he's he's one of your let's call him power four okay gets to wwe and uh i remember that royal rumble he shows up as uh, and it was a is a big pop but the camera posed to not him Right. They, right. They, they, it's kind of it's kind of like that Booker T. It really reminded this is what it reminded me of. It reminded me of that Booker T meets the rock segment. Right. It's not about Booker T. It's about how the rock reacts. And that's right. kind of WWE to me in a nutshell. Like AJ Styles, despite being in his 40s now. Should be a top guy and he doesn't come across as a top guy. That's someone else's position, kind of the Randy Orton's of the world. But anyways, AJ Styles proved he he is this top guy here and he rose to beat a veteran in Jerry Lynn really doing what he was supposed to do and to get this young young guy over and be this presence in the locker room. Like this this match historically uh, served such a great purpose and really had me thinking about like all these different things. Jerry Lynn being uh, an agent in, in AEW and how he puts together certain tag matches and and uh, mm-hmm. 
has has stories being told in the ring with you know a style that we saw here on this show really with uh, this 2002 Ring of Honor uh, uh, lucha libre uh, type crowd excitement yeah. style uh, to kind of put some words into it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely good to have someone like that to kind of fine tune and kind of you know give them some direction with their style because they have a lot of talent on this roster. It's just a matter of uh, kind of growing and evolving your style to make people care about right. your match. Like how, how are you going to put these matches together? Uh, and that's something like WCW really lacked was these agents trying to not make the wrestlers do their style, right? Yeah. It's the agent trying to get the wrestler style to work in the instance. And Jerry Lynn was, wasn't work. Wasn't making AJ styles work his style. He was making, he was working to AJ styles strength. Yep. And there's uh, I I could point to uh, impact in a lot of ways in TNA where that's where I think they falter in match structure. Uh, I think that's one of AEW's strengths. Does it work all the time? No, because there's conflicting styles and everything. Uh, I actually kind of find that interesting when you have conflictions like that makes it for an interesting match structure. New Japan yeah. is very much like that as well, uh, where there's a lot of different styles from rest, uh, different what different wrestlers do. Um, because yeah. you don't want a homogenized presentation. That's kind of what I'm driving at. Right. And yeah, there are at times where this, I mean, we kind of touched on it before, but that's kind of how the show felt at times. Um, but AJ Styles versus Jerry Lynn was kind of a good, uh, it was a good breath of fresh air. Right. And then well, there's a, there's a second match on here that uh, actually uh, two other matches on here that um, also meet that kind of presentation mm-hmm. to it all. Agreed. Uh, but before that, we got some uh, tag division shenanigans. Oh no! Next, so we got a uh, fuck. What are their names? Dunn and there was some a other billion jobber. teams that came out. <laughs> well, well, here we go. So we have two. Uh, for all intents and purposes, just picture like two fourteen-year-old uh, boys in the ring. Uh huh. Yeah. And okay. Then, I follow uh, you. <laughs> so now we have the Hit Squad come out. Who, uh, for anyone not aware, it's big. Two big. Not, not jacked up wouldn't be the word. Some thick boys coming out. And uh, just kick the shit out of these jabronis. Uh, hit, hit one of them with a gnarly burning hammer. Um, about as good as you can hit on somebody. Probably wasn't good for the guy that took it. Um, but then you have uh, the hit squads out there. They grab the mic, the corded microphone. And they uh, claim that they're the top tag team in Ring of Honor. And then what ensues is a very <laughs> WWE-esque type of yeah, you have people, people, tag teams coming out. So you have Divine Storm comes out, and then uh, SAT comes out. Um, I think maybe another team, uh, the Carnage Crew comes out. Uh, Natural Born Sinners are involved, and all these guys are brawling, and people are busted open, and everybody's laid out. And then once everybody is laid out, I think it's Jose Maximo does like a dive from the top rope to the outside on everybody. And then what do we hear? The Village People. YMCA on the speakers for maybe the biggest pop of the night. Mm. <laughs> Which was, it's like they're they're building this I don't know cult following for them. Maybe I don't know just because of how ridiculous their gimmick is. Um, and then they start making out in the ring because they're gay and gay guys always make out in public. Apparently, of course, of course. we and all then, know this um, to be true. They showed me in the ring. Yes, and their heels because they're gay. But uh, don't worry, 
the natural born sinners are here to save us from this gayness. <laughs> yes. What perfect people than homicide and new Jack to really, Man. to really just murder these, these uh, flamboyant youngins. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, oh God. Yeah. And then the, the, the connection has a, a manager. I forget what her name is. I always forget her name. Uh, but they were calling her the hag. Of course. I don't know if that's, what's her, I don't know if that's her legit nickname or what, but uh, so the natural born sinners uh, take the hag and uh, each bend her over their respective knees and spank her uh, because women and uh, yes. Steve, Steve Carino with uh, wouldn't oh, be new Car- Jack without something controversial. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be. And then Carino says, yeah, spank the cottage cheese off her ass. Or something. I very... didn't hear that. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> Trust me, this was pretty tame in comparison to a lot of the Christopher Street connection segments um, in the past. Uh, but yeah, just a lot of hullabaloo here. I guess trying to build a, uh, a tag division. Yeah, uh, got like five yeah. or six teams here. You could kind of tell, you know, because Ring of Honor is just starting and uh, TNA and MLW just starting. This was ROH's idea. Okay, we have this tournament. How 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 are we gonna get everyone to know the tag teams that are involved in our promotion? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because at this point it's an indie promotion. They're very territorial at this time, so mm-hmm. I suppose you're gonna get a lot of the same fans and word of mouth will go will get around, right? Yeah, because uh, uh, one of my local promotions here is Beyond Wrestling, and uh, they do something similar in this way, not to the extent we we witnessed here. <laughs> with a lot of these shenanigans and and uh, get the tables references and mm-hmm. <laughs> and New Jack bleeding and and yelling profanity as many times as he can in a, in the span of sixty seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was God, whatever it takes to get a pop, I guess. Um, oh, they they got a pop, but then it really you could definitely feel the crowd was <laughs> it, it went on way too long. The crowd was sucked out of it. It was like twenty minutes. I'm like, okay, I get, I get it. Here's all the tag teams. You guys beat each other up. Then you had the, uh, you had the New Jack and Homicide staring down the, uh, the beer boys, the beer gut boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, it's not New Jack. It wasn't. Know. No, it's Homicide and Boogaloo. I thought I could have sworn that was New Jack. I didn't even question it. Well, that's racist. Why, why is that racist? I thought it looked exactly like him. Ah, uh, it's probably New Jack, right? <laughs> Hold on. I'm just kidding. Well, I, I'm pretty sure because it, Boogaloo and Homicide were a tag team, and they've been pretty prominent on the the previous shows. I, th- I feel like I would have noticed if it was New Jack. All right, hold on. 2020 Boogaloo Kings comes up in Wikipedia there. Yeah, if you type in Boogaloo, you're going to get a lot of weird. weird <laughs> I put homicide in Boogaloo and I got this like. You're going to get some you porn links. No, probably. I got this like uh, this uh, this dude in California that attacked police officers and he was arrested. Are we sure that's not the same Boogaloo? It was the 2020 Boogaloo killings. I wonder, maybe that's. Honestly, where he references his name. Maybe that's why he has that name. This is 2020, not 2002. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he saw into the future. <laughs> that's just another layer to his gimmick. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. I, ble- I I thought I didn't even question. I was like, ah, it looks like New Jack. The shit yeah, he was he's... doing and the shit he was saying, I was like, that's probably New Jack. He's in an orange jumpsuit. It's probably New Jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else even crossed my mind. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, but no, Bo- yeah, you got give some respect to Boogaloo. God damn it. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll never see Boogaloo again at, on this podcast, at least. But oh, no. <laughs> maybe so. New Jack will replace him. <laughs> <laughs> that, that honestly could that sounds like a thing that could happen. Yeah, absolutely, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty fuzzy on my early 2000s ROH. That could be a thing that happens. I wouldn't oh, put it past him. But uh, yeah, if anybody has a stupider name than Boogaloo, it's Spanky. And Spanky is here once again to face Jody Fleisch in uh, the next round of the tournament. Uh, was it this match where that moonsault on the barricade happened? Or was it the first match with Jody Fleisch? It was the first one. Was it? Okay. I, I think just... they did it again, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, makes, that sounds like a thing. Um. The barricade, yeah. by this way, is uh, is propped up and held together by zip ties. <laughs> I don't know what they thought that was helping. I guess maybe it was if it was like in the way of like the walking air. I don't know. It's got to keep those Very. rowdy Philly fans out from uh, from attacking. I guess right because they're they're going to try to hop the railing and they're going to see zip ties and they're going to be like, oh wait, never mind. I can't do that. Can't do that. Those zip ties didn't bring scissors. <laughs> unbreakable, unbreakable. Uh, yeah, Spanky wins here with the sliced bread. Gets a win over Jody Fleisch. Uh, Another pretty good match here. Definitely like a, I think, I think their styles matched pretty well. Uh, what'd you think about it? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of the name for uh, one spanky. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad he's not spanky anymore, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Jody Fleisch with a, with a, with a guy he's clearly not familiar with, but um, spanky was able to put a nice little five minute match together. No harm, yeah. no harm. Didn't go on very long. They got their, they got their flips in. Spanky wins with the sliced bread at number two as a uh, commentary is very, very specific. Best thing since sliced bread mm-hmm. it is, if is what Steve Carino told me over and over again. So uh, we get uh, one of uh, the Texas wrestling academies. Uh, another one of those guys, American dragon versus Doug Williams. And I saw this match on paper. It was like, holy shit, this is going to be a fun watch. And it was, it was a pretty good match. Um, definitely was, very technical. Yeah. It was a welcome pace change. It was. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's a good way to put it. It was definitely, uh, it stood out, um, from the other matches on the card. Um, got away from the Lucha a little bit and more of a, uh, UK based, uh, you know, Japan based. And I noticed the commentary, they were kind of burying British wrestling, which I know at this point, British wrestling was pretty, uh, it was a pretty shallow pool. Non-existent, um, I, one might say. Yeah, yeah. That they literally had all the British wrestlers on this card. I think <laughs> all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess yeah. When you look at it that way, I guess can't get on it too much. But uh, yeah. A surprising finish to this match. Uh, Doug Williams gets the win over Dragon here with like a reverse suplex. It looked like he was trying to do a reverse suplex into some sort of cradle, maestro cradle kind of deal, but it looked like it was kind of uh, bungled a little bit. So, um, but yeah, Williams gets the pin there and he moves on and Brian Danielson does not. What'd you think about it? Uh, like I said, it was, it was a very welcome pace change. I was definitely in for kind of just a, a calm down period mm-hmm. after seeing so much, so much Lucha on the show, uh, and the, the wacky tag team thing. Like this was just nice to catch, catch your breath, enjoy a little technical wrestling. Uh, you had two big stars here in the ring, or at least developing stars, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that the crowd clearly knew uh, they were very respectful. You know, they didn't, you know, the one thing on the show is you never heard boring chants, right? Right. You, ne- you never heard people getting angry at the match that they were saying. Scene. Yeah, yeah. 
So, and, and they didn't seem bored either. They just, they just seemed like they were also catching their breath. And, uh, it was a good thing because the next match, uh, so this cool. played a number of different roles and it was getting the crowd to calm down for something the next two were supposed to bring, right? For an explosion. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, next match, Amazing Red versus Low Key. Christopher that, Daniels uh, really made it clear that Amazing Red needs to beat that piece of shit Loki. <laughs> yeah, he must mean business because he said shit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the opening oh, sequence. wait. Go ahead. Before the match and Loki came out, you remember when uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the not New Jack guy <laughs> and uh, <yep. laughs> Boogaloo and Homicide, they're all just yelling at each other, all hyped up and pumped, and they walk oh, by Loki. Yeah. <laughs> They're they're just like, we're out of here. We're fucking over. We hate this shit. They're just swearing up a storm. Then they leave the leave the the gym and Loki Loki looks at the camera. Hey, guys, what's up? What was that about? (laughs) That needs to be made into a GIF or a clip of some sort. What's going on? on? It's hilarious. They're all so heated. And it's literally the source of it is one team said that they're the best. And then the other team said that they're the best. I That's just love Loki's reaction because he'd be like anybody in that situation. Guys, what are you so angry about? Like, I don't know. It's I was just getting ready for my match. <laughs> <laughs> Very non-Loki in his tone there. Yeah, yeah, it's quite. I, I just, I, I don't know why I found that just absolutely hysterical. It's like <laughs> Loki over here. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, loved then he it. comes out and does the does fucking Jet Lee Bruce Lee impression. God, Good God. Sh- Loki's strikes are horrifying. Like if you get caught with one of those bad boys, you're out. Dude, it was awesome. Uh I tweeted this out of this match. I'm like, this is fucking great. Uh right. this is the the match of the night. It only went 11 minutes, which I was shocked, right? That it that it yeah. was so short. Uh Amazing Red was able to pull off just everything he wanted to. This is this is a good example of like uh, the the lucha style, just hitting everything to a key, uh, mm-hmm. including dodging Loki's death strikes that he was going for. Yes. It was it was left punch, left kick, dodge, and and amazing reds just matrix matrixifying out of out of these things. Loki mm-hmm. goes for this like stomp on the mat, and you just hear the big thump. And Loki does the does the gently like scream with the arms and amazing reds like fuck i you missed me (laughs) and the crowd just like as it was going on you see the crowd slowly rising to their feet and then they're like i saw one guy throw his popcorn in the air and everyone just explodes in the arena the holy shit chance happened i'm just like fuck yeah this is what we're watching (laughs) this was so awesome this would and i'm convinced this would not have gotten uh the reaction it did without low-key earlier on the night knocking the shit out of that dude dude yeah and it really made him look legit because even i mean maybe i thought it was legit i still think it's legit as i'm speaking i think you're wrong that it wasn't a shoot <laughs> um, <laughs> don't be a mark <laughs> i am <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah man this low-key amazing red match my my match of the night as well um i like how amazing red was able to like you said kind of incorporate his lucha style but use it in in conjunction with Loki's style and i think all that meshed really well um like you said pretty short but i think i think it's all it needed i think it was a sprint of a match and uh I mean, Loki 
eventually gets the win here. So uh, awesome match. It was awesome. It was, it was so great. Uh, if if you got the time, like this would be the one to go check out. When I put this match out on Twitter, I had a I had a few people actually contact me on Twitter. One in particular said he was actually there at the show that night. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, you got to tell me about it. We're messaging. And he just goes, yeah, I still remember that match to this day. Uh, just stuck sticks out in his mind because it just it, it when you see a sequence like that. Right. And how just amped up it gets you and it puts you in a uh, an emotional mood and it just really sticks in your mind you know i got i got moments like that myself um you know just just last year i i saw uh, daisuke sekimoto take on um uh uh <laughs> now i'm blanking on the name uh, the dirty the dirty daddy oh okay uh, dickinson chris dickinson and he uh he trained like he quote unquote trained by beating the biggest and baddest indie dudes just to get ready for his match against Sekimoto. And I was at that match live. I'd seen all the, all the build up to it and just led to this match where they're just slapping meat, sweat flying. And there was this chop exchange and they're just hitting each other harder and harder and harder. Uh, and then finally Sekimoto goes down in the crowd. It was that same reaction with every chop. And the closer he got to getting knocked down, the crowd just rose and we all just started screaming. It was it was just a, a special moment, and I, I definitely felt that same uh, similarity here in this low key amazing red match. Just when it clicks, it clicks. Yeah, and it's a really good glimpse into the future of ROH because that crowd energy is like what they would become known for, and a lot of that is from low key. You know, he had a, a lot of really good matches with uh, Samoa Joe. I think uh, I forget what year it is, like two thousand three, maybe. Um, I've seen yeah, the, the big, I, I, like 600 day run that Joe had. Yes. Yeah. I've seen a few of those matches like in a vacuum, but I look forward to like seeing that like chronologically with a uh, context. Um, but <laughs> man, <laughs> the, the, the next segment, more overlap here. The natural born sinners challenge the carnage crew on the next show to a bunkhouse match. Hmm. I'm sure you can't wait. I, I hope Bunkhouse Buck makes an appearance with Colonel Parker. Otherwise, I want my money back. No, no more Colonel Parker, please. <laughs> um, so yeah, next. I think it Johnny B. Madden needs right? to show up while he's at it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope he gives him Johnny B. Bad in ROH at some point. I hope he makes oh, a cameo appearance. No. Have him have a match with Loki and see what happens. <laughs> actually i might um, watch that <laughs> like kick him in the chest and glitter just explodes out of his body <laughs> <laughs> ref calls uh, for the bell ah the glitter's everywhere <laughs> <laughs> too much glitter in the ring can't continue <laughs> man that brings us to the main event aj styles versus christopher daniels uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, but it's so funny to see this in 2002, knowing what a uh, legacy this kind of rivalry would have in TNA um, all throughout this decade. So, oh, man. Um, Fucking commentary being like, dream match situation. You may never see this again. <laughs> dude, every match was a dream match. Every match was the greatest match of all time. Oh, they boy. even said during this match that this was the greatest card in the history of wrestling. They did say that. Uh, Which, they they would put this uh, card up against any other of the era, and uh, that line in particular, not, I started thinking about that. I'm like 2002. Not not just the era, 
of all time. Well, they did say the all time. They did say that too. That part uh, can't obviously can't agree oh, okay. with. But uh, like of the era, I started thinking about that. I'm like, if you're talking about just in ring during that era, I can entertain that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you can't obviously WrestleMania <clears throat> is its own like entity, you mm-hmm. know. But like match for match, absolutely, this card could could probably meet up with the with the best. You know, I, I would have to like look at a Noah card or <laughs> or um. A certain man, not even W, definitely not WCW. Now that I think about it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of other promotions that were around at the time. I can't really think of any. That's the problem. Like, you'd have to go back to the 80s to really see like a full card of just stars. Uh, but from like the in ring standpoint, this, yeah, this was a phenomenal show. Uh, yeah, and it ends with uh, Daniel Styles, uh, not the match of the night. Uh, the crowd was just exhausted by the Burnt end of all out. this. Yep. Yeah. Getting a 22, 22 minute match. This match was fine. Um, I thought it was very good at times. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought it didn't quite reach the peak. I think it was going for, uh, but I, I also believe that's probably a testament to these, these two guys in their twenties, uh, just not having the experience to put on, um, yeah, to, to reach that second level of octane. And a lot of that comes also, you got to <clears throat> consider that each guy had had two matches tonight. Well, no, I mean, one match, one Daniels match. had a pretty, pretty short a- outing, but AJ hey, Styles he had Scoot Andrews. Scoot Andrews will always blow you up. Hmm. The black nature boy, everybody. Hmm. He's black. Yeah, he was black. So it's <laughs> <laughs> a summary of my thoughts about Scoot Andrews. But yeah, like you said, the crowd was definitely uh, tired at this point, probably pretty hot. Um, they have seen a lot of wrestling so far. I think the show is about three hours and you got to think they were probably sitting there for at least four. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, just I think this is like the 12th match on the card or something. There's a lot of matches. Um, and like you said, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, they would only go on to improve their chemistry. This is very early in their careers, obviously. Um, some of the stuff they did in TNA is still legendary to this day. Um so it was, it, was, it was interesting to see them like in their early stages and to see where they are then and to see where uh, they would end up being. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was uh, a few real good near falls uh, at the end here that brought the crowd back up uh, a little bit there. Mm-hmm. So uh, this this was great. They did a big four way pull apart of all the all the people involved in the Iron Man match later. So, hey, all in all. Ooh. Well, but we got to talk about you bring that up. We got to talk about <laughs> low key putting Daniels in a dragon sleeper for goddamn five minutes. Well, I mean, and, you got to do that, right? And then everybody gets out. First, the whole roster comes out. Not one person's trying to separate them. So well, what, what they are they? Do they that? No, Daniels the, the is logic a dick. I don't know if you've seen the show. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that was hammered into my head a lot by Steve Carino. But <laughs> everybody on the roster, they carry out uh, Key and Daniels while Loki still has the dragon sleeper on him. So they're like carrying them both to the back while he's still choking out Daniels. This was a hilarious little detail that I saw. And they also, uh, before this, Donnie B gets in the ring and makes a huge announcement that ROH will be on some local TV station, which I guess, you know, context, you know, at this point in their, uh, their short uh, lifespan, that's probably a big deal. Um, Absolutely. I don't know how long that lasted or I guess whenever Ring of Honor started traveling, maybe. Um, 
not really too familiar on the whole TV deal situation with Ring of Honor other than like HD net and stuff. But I guess when you think about it, Ring of Honor just really hasn't evolved past that point, right? They, they're still only on these like weird local channels, fight TV, and they, they, yeah. they just can't seem to get past a, a very mediocre level, right? In terms of exposure and keeping an audience, keeping an attendance, which is a big deal. Uh, to them, mm-hmm. up and down over the many years. Uh, yeah. Just a matter of offering something that nobody else is offering. And in the past, I don't know, decade or so, they've kind of, there hasn't been a lot of motivation to like seek them out over other companies. Cause, you know, they did bring back the pure, uh, pure title recently. And that's even sparked my interest. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it. Um, but I mm-hmm. still might check that out at some point just to see, just out of curiosity. Cause I haven't watched Ring of Honor since like, probably 10 years or so so oh, wow it's been it's been it's been a it's been a hot minute <laughs> I, I catch a match every now and then but uh as far as following it i, I gave it a try because they have the honor club which is like their version of wwe network and they have like their local show or not local their uh weekly show on there and i watched it and it's like this isn't really worth my this isn't worth adding an hour to my wrestling well that's that's kind of what they what they've always done though they it's it's very dry right yeah uh the the booking's dry they're not they're trying to be different, but at the same time trying to be way too pure about it to put a mm-hmm. put a term on on that. Because uh, as much as, say, a hardcore fan would would appreciate the pure tournament, right, for just throwing that out there. Is that going to appeal to an audience in today's day? Right. Mm-hmm. And I. Y- I can't say that it would, right? I, yeah. If we look at, like, people like to say, ah, oh, well, wrestling's been working for 100 years. Well, you know what also has been working for 100 years? Lucha Libre. Yeah, in a certain market. Right, in, in, in Mexico, and what's been kind of the style that's been growing the industry? Uh, it's a mixture of the Japanese and Lucha style. Now, mm-hmm. how you mold it to your market is... is uh, the interesting part, like how, how are Americans molding it? How are the Europeans molding it, which they're doing uh, with their British and Euro style, which is very fascinating. They're they're How, how can we add flips into these tiny arenas with smaller rings? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah, so I've been watching a lot of progress wrestling lately, and that's uh, definitely a thing that you see. And it's interesting to see kind of how it's evolved, you know, since this show in 2002 to, uh, you know, a decade or a decade and a half later and how that's evolved. So, it's all about the evolution. Yeah, really. so I think kind of going backwards to what used to work isn't necessarily going to grow, you know, as... as mm-hmm. uh, For you, okay, to put a positive spin on it, for your fandom, and they're into that, great. You know, you're keeping your fans. You're keeping your fans happy. No problem with that. AW knows what their fans want. They're keeping it. Impact definitely knows what they what their fans want. Uh, mm-hmm. Shooting people on TV. <laughs> <laughs> who shot him or whatever his name is? Yeah, who shot Johnny Bravo? I'm like, hey, you know, that's Impact. That's what they do. That's fine. Uh, ROH wants to do the pure tournament. Hey, great. You got to ask yourself then the next question: What's you know what's keeping you from reaching the next level? And it's different for obviously it's different for every promotion. You know what? What is the answer? 
And that's that's hard to that's hard to come up with something. You could you could throw out ideas. What what's Ring of Honor missing? And um, you know, if I'm going to throw out you know just a uh, you know a theory or something you know to discuss, think about at home. Uh, maybe it's missing what made it popular in the first place, and that's what we saw on this show today. And I just whenever I I check in on Ring of Honor today, I think they're missing a lot of a lot of this this old charm that they had in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think a lot of it too comes with just the stigma of ROH, and recently they've had a lot of bad uh, well, bad press and a lot of bad you know booking decisions and just not a lot of um, you know quality product that they're putting out. And I think a lot of what their appeal was during this time in 2002 and the, the next few years was was that it felt different because we we touched on it earlier. You know, WWE has their their hands around the balls of the wrestling world at this point. So fans are very hungry just for anything different. And they kind of find that in TNA for a little bit. And they find that with ROH and neither company saw a success that even came close to matching WWE, but they both, both ROH and TNA kind of had those cult followings for a long time. And um, I guess it's really just a matter of, do we want to keep it at that cult following or do we want to kind of expand? And I think both ROH and TNA kind of experimented with expanding Hmm. And both I kind of I don't flopped. think I ever got that feeling from ROH. And then with that expansion well, idea, what we got with TNA was uh, <laughs> let's different just, scale. Yeah, let, let's just say uh, the the Bischoff Hogan WCW 2.0 was uh, probably not right. the best idea in the world. No, yeah, def- different scales for sure. But <laughs> ROH with like moving to HDNet, like that's around the point when I stopped watching, mm. just because it felt too polished to me, and it felt to wwe for lack of a better term and it felt like it didn't feel underground it didn't feel like it was that secret thing that only i was watching uh um, yes i understand i understand what you're saying absolutely yeah yeah as TNA, soon as, like, yeah as soon as tna started actually it, it really reminded me of horror like ptsd of wcw but <laughs> yeah yeah, because TNA had their own identity for a long time too, with like the X division and the tag division. Like nobody else was putting out that kind of uh, right, and they got away from that, uh, just trying to do well, not that. Yep, they took away two sides of their ring. They brought in uh, all, all sorts of guys. I'm trying to think, Mr. Kennedy, uh, Kurt Angle. Like Kurt Angle was a it's a bad example because that was a good thing. But Kurt Angle is a know. good example, <laughs> as <laughs> in a good a good example for them. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. But like, there's like, I'm trying to think. I can't even. The Dudleys, I guess the Dudleys had some good stuff. I can't think of any WWE guys that were flops, but I'm sure there was a bunch. Like I said, Mr. Kennedy, Matt Morgan, Matt Morgan, think, Jeff Hardy. Uh, what was? Oh, what was his name? Nathan. Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. I think he showed up in TNA and he got an immediate put. Yeah. That was stupid. Christian. Christian uh, turned out to be an ex. Yeah, Tomko is a great example. That's even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and the list just grows from there. Uh, of Bro- Brodus Clay showed up, and they pushed <laughs> yeah. him. Uh, yeah, it it, just, it was just one thing after another. Uh, I like I like looking back at the Christian example because this came up in a conversation with me. We were talking about like TNA and stuff, and Ring of Honor, and do you think Christian's like a Hall of Famer? And I'm like, well, it depends what you look at it. In WWE, I would argue no. Right. But in TNA, I would argue yes, because Mm -hmm. he came in and for all intents and purposes, they did immediately push him. But it wasn't a success at first. 
you know, when you go back and watch it, it was kind of a disaster because he just didn't work the same. He worked WWE style, right? Right. He wasn't used yeah. to what we saw on this card here today in Ring of Honor. It was very fast. Uh, Christian couldn't keep up and he had to learn. And that's w- what a problem with a lot of those other WWE guys were is they thought they were big stars, didn't need to work as hard, and they got blown up and exposed. Mm-hmm. Right. Christian was exposed, but he worked at it and he maintained and got better what he needed to. And that's what made him a main event star. And then that's what led to success later outside the company. Uh, and that's what, you know, a lot of people, uh, I, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of good examples here on, on how wrestling evolved, uh, you know, and a lot came from, you know, these beginning ROH shows and T- early TNA shows. Uh, that you are yep. covering on your podcast, which is very nice. Yep, and I'll, I'll be sure to have you on uh, one of those. I know you said uh, <laughs> you're very hot and cold with TNA, but that. Could oh be, my uh, god, I I lose I lose my mind watching. Uh, I'm gonna find the TNA. worst card I can find, Fuck. and then I'm gonna have you on here. <laughs> I'm gonna have can a lot we, can of. Can we Jeff do Unbreakable Jarrett. 2005 or something? Nope. I'll watch that. <laughs> nope, nope. We're gonna have some Jeff Jarrett, some Kevin Nash. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we'll, maybe we'll catch a Johnny B. Bad episode. He was there for a little bit. Well, at least I could laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, man. That's, for, as far as ROH uh, Road to the Title 2002, that's uh, pretty much all I got. Pretty pretty good show. Um, like I said, it kind of. Uh, everything kind of started to blend together after a little bit, but you can't discredit the, uh, the wrestling that was on this show, which was amazing. Besides the women's match, what was your, what would be your worst match on the night? I feel like that's a tough one. I mean, there were, there were some short matches that weren't necessarily bad. They just were very like, I don't really, I could have done without like the biohazard match or scoot Andrews. Um, I'm like looking through the card right now and no match struck me as bad. I kind of was expecting a little more from uh dragon and Doug Williams. Um, but it was still a good match. Maybe the Nana match, although that kick to the head was fucking awesome. So I no, no, that. that served, that served a purpose. I'm going to go yeah. with the biohazard match personally. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't say I hated it either. I don't remember it being particularly bad. It was just kind of, I was kind of indifferent to it, which is never good in wrestling, I guess. Well, I mean, you just won't remember it, right? And maybe that's not the, the not the worst thing in the world on a card with this. Maybe Biohazard will uh, bounce back. <laughs> <laughs> not so sure about that one. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> maybe you can team up with uh, Adam Bomb. <laughs> or oh, man. <laughs> that's the, uh, the dream team I never knew I needed. <laughs> Biohazard and Adam Bomb. <laughs> oh God, that is something. If Vince Russo heard you say that, he would try to do that right now. Although, isn't Adam Bomb dead? He would still try to do it. He would find a way. I'm sure his heart exploded like many of those guys. Oh man, <laughs> I believe 2002 was actually the 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 year where like a ton of deaths started in wrestling, like a yeah. lot. Like they were dropping like flies. Yeah, like yeah, 2002 through up to like 2005. It was yeah, like very bad, very bad era. Like it was like once or twice a week you would hear someone's heart exploded or uh, they had like a brain aneurysm or just just crazy things. Yeah. Wrestlers were dropping like flies during this time. The, the product of the 80s and 90s and that whole lifestyle, I guess. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. It sure is. Mixed That's with steroids, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, 
do you have anything? Uh, you have the uh, your own podcast there, don't you? Yes, Red Leaf right Retrocast. Here. Retro wrestling, a lot of the modern stuff. We cover a lot of the promotions uh, that don't get a lot of uh, a lot of coverage. Dragon Gate, DDT. So if you're an AEW fan, I'm sure you'll like some DDT. Lots of shenanigans and serious wrestling mixture. Uh, yeah, Dragon Gate, Lucha Libre slash Japanese Strong Style promotion. Um, if you listen to me, I, you probably can tell that I'm a fan of that style. <laughs> Uh, New Japan we cover, of course, AEW. My mom covers AEW to give a very different perspective on things. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely follow if you like don't have don't like want to take time to watch Japanese wrestling, but you still like want to keep up with it. Definitely a good listen for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you go into the backlogs, I covered a lot of European wrestling, WXW out of Germany. Uh, I speak German, so. Uh, mm-hmm. that was that but uh, obviously European wrestling has been closed down for a long time so we shifted to uh, more Joshi love love Japanese women's wrestling I love women's wrestling in general tend to cover a lot of that uh, and then of course the retro wrestling WCW Nitro we've entered 1999 horrible horrible stuff so you can hear us suffer and make fun of things <laughs> uh, old Japan women so women's wrestling out of Japan from the 80s and 90s and uh, going on a uh, New Japan journey through the 90s, which we cover that and uh, all Japan. So a lot of uh, that's an era that I am not totally familiar with. So it's a it's a learning experience uh, there and watching a lot of these legends uh, develop like the great Muda. Ooh, hell yeah. Recently a watched big, a match with Hulk Hogan. That was an interesting one. <laughs> oh, man. What a what a clash. Yes. That's something. Maybe Hogan will teach that guy a thing or two. Yeah. Red Leaf Retrocast. Love it. Love it. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on again, man. I'll, I'll be sure to have you on for some uh, some more Jeff Jarrett. Please, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Once again, thank you to JD from the Red Leaf Retrocast for once again supplying his elegance and his wealth of knowledge uh, on, my <laughs> on this episode here for ring of honor uh really fun time and uh i hope you guys enjoyed it as well um thank you guys as as always for supporting this podcast um i'm seeing the growth every single week and it's awesome to see and uh keeps me coming up here and doing these these fun shows for you guys so uh if you are a new listener feel free to check out apronbump.com you can find all my uh social media can guide you to all the avenues to where you can subscribe and listen to this podcast, as well as uh, a section that uh, kind of breaks off all the episodes and the categories. So if you want to listen to ring of honor episodes, if you want to listen to mid nineties wrestling attitude era, current stuff, whatever, um, all that is up there. And I have a lot of plans to uh, kind of expand on that in the future. So stay tuned for that. Um, Otherwise. Yeah, that's all daddy has for you today. And, uh, yeah, I'm hard. <laughs>